Well, good morning, friends. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Uh, whether you are in the room or you're online with us, we, uh, we say good morning. And we're grateful that you're with us today. Uh, if you are at home, uh, in a little bit we'll be receiving communion together. And uh, so uh, make sure that you get your elements and get those ready as Pastor Claire leads us in communion in just a little bit. And if you are at home uh, or if you're in the room and you like to uh, give online uh, electronically, uh, you'll be able to do so by going to our website, ccmonline.org slash give. Uh, and it'll take you through how to do that. Or you can text a dollar amount to 84321. No, this is not a telethon, just a helpful, some helpful hints for you to do that. But we're so grateful you're with us uh, today for uh, part two of Live the Dream Till the End. And Pastor Scott, Pastor, Pastor Claire will lead us in those things this morning. So everybody online, we say welcome. Oh God, may we be like Anna who prayed and fasted all of her days, all the days of her journey home. May we be people who break bread together in faith. Will you do that? Let's take communion together, holding the bread. Jesus said it this way, man cannot live by bread alone, but by, come on, by, okay, come on, let's do that together, right? That man cannot live by bread alone, but by what, Jeff? Every word. Every word. That proceeds out of the mouth of God. So one more time, man cannot live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so together we're holding this bread, knowing that you can speak, God, through bread and wine, that you can heal. Even the scripture talks about people being healed through communion this is our bread and together we hold it up in your presence remembering that Jesus your body was broken for us and by your stripes we are healed yes, we are. and Jesus you said it this way you said take this all of you eat every time you come together this is my body given for you and every time you eat what friends remember me and so right now we're remembering you, Jesus. We're remembering the word that proceeds from your mouth to us today. And we say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. After supper was ended, Jesus lifted up the cup and said, take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant. My blood will be shed for you and for all people so that sins will be forgiven. And every time you drink, remember me. And so Jesus, even as we partake and drink, we believe sins are being forgiven all over this room. Every person who is saying, oh God, I've gotten off track. I want to find my way home. And together we say, Jesus, we remember you.
as we get ready to have our kids go upstairs to Children's Church and we receive our offering, can we have the kids and the family stand up and let's pray for them together right now as they head on upstairs. God, how grateful we are for the children in this place, for the families, God, for the moms and dads and the guardians and all those that are making sure that they are safe and healthy and fed and they have lives that are just growing and building. So we pray a blessing on them, a blessing on the teachers as they show forth love and knowledge and wisdom, and we ask that you be with them. And as we receive this offering, we're grateful that you are doing amazing things through the people of this church, through this and each generation, God. And so we pray for your blessing and your multiplication on this offering. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, and everybody said... Amen. As we keep singing, kids, you are welcome to go upstairs with your parents. Have an amazing time. And everyone who is in the room would like to give the offering. There's baskets up front. Or you can give online, like the way we talked about the front. Is it? Be together with you this morning. There's nothing like being together with you on a Sunday. Um, so we just want to welcome you, and I have a few announcements to make. If you're new, we would love to connect with you. If you're in the room, you can go back to the Next Steps kiosk after church, whether you're new and we can give you a free gift, or if you're not new and you want to know about Next Steps, you can take to be a part of Crossroads. We would love to see you over there. If you're online, this QR code takes you straight to a place, or if you're in the room and you don't want to talk to a person, this QR code takes you to a place where you can do all that without talking to a person. Um, and then on Monday, we have our food pantry. Woo, food pantry. Um, we are so excited to serve food to people in our community who need food resources. So after church, you're all invited to stay and help us turn this into a grocery store for tomorrow night. If you're interested in volunteering or it's something that God has been putting your, on your heart to do, it is so easy to volunteer with Food Pantry. Peggy does a great job of having a system that runs so smoothly. You're not committed forever. Come try it out. You can come anytime between 4.30 and 5.30 to get plugged in. Um, and next weekend, we have our cultural connections meeting. So after church, come hang out with us up in the cafe. There's pizza if you need an incentive. Um, this group is really working to... Um, talk about how we can make our services, the things we do as ministries, more accessible to people of all kinds, right? We want Crossroads to be a place where everyone belongs. And if you want to be a part of that conversation, come on up. And Teshna would love to welcome you. Um, and then next we have our Ash Wednesday service. Not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We are so excited. Um, excited is a weird word for Lent, but we... <laughs> look forward to journeying together through the story of Jesus, preparing our way to the cross. Um, I, these prayers were beautiful today, and there's so much suffering. There are so many places where we can draw near to God, and I just pray that we can bring all of these things to our Ash Wednesday service, to be together in the midst of all that God is doing in the presence he wants to give to us as a community. Next, this is a weird transition, um, SAS volunteer recruitment. If you would like to be a part of the next training, it starts March 4th. We have more information at Next Steps, and we would love um, to equip you. Um, if you're someone who loves sitting with people through a hard time, this is a great way to do that. So next up is our Living the Dream series, and I think I'm inviting Bonnie and Claire to kick us off. 
Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Who knew? So Bonnie has been praying for Crossroads Church for 30, almost two years. 32 years. Okay, seriously, like some of us, you know, we're having a hard time with 32 minutes, Bonnie. And 32 years. Like if you could see the journals of this woman and the prayers she's written down in her journals about Crossroads Church, you would say, I think she's kind of like Anna in the Bible that Scott's going to talk about today. And, um, you know, kind of, you know she, when you get here to church, she's up there in the pastoral offices. She's praying for the service. She's praying for every person who's about to walk through the door. She's got the, the heart of God for the people of God. And we love you so much for it. I, I want to make you cry. Why not? What, did you, what do you always tell me when I cry, Bonnie? It's liquid prayers. Just say to Bonnie, testify, Bonnie. Come on, Bonnie, testify. <laughs> In lots of uh, different directions. And uh, one of the questions was what it's like to pray for the church for 31 years. 33. And uh, first of all, God gives the desire and God gives the passion. And I thank God that uh, when I was uh, brought to the church, that I was under a pastoral and an elder leadership that helped cultivate me and grow in the love of God. And the other question was, um, what inspired, anything about Anna that inspires you? First of all, her love of God, her prayer life, and her devotion. She was to see the Messiah before she died. And she was the living prayer. She carried that prayer. She was the prayer of the promise. And uh, what is the blessed Holy Spirit praying through you these days? And I'll go back to what was given to me months ago. Listen to the wind and the word that the Spirit is praying through the church. And my prayer is every person that walks through these doors, sits in these chairs, that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding. And he meets your desires. He heals, he restores, he blesses. His mercy is unchangeable and his love everlasting. Can we pray for Bonnie who has prayed for us, everybody? Let's just extend. That chair got slain in the spirit. Oh, God, we're so humbled that you would want to have someone pray for us, to speak our name to you, to hold us in a faithful presence that doesn't shrink back, doesn't let go. 
for all the prayers that Bonnie has prayed. And she tells us all the time, prayers never die. Even if the people that die, that prayed them die, the prayers never die, they continue. That all the prayers that she's prayed, the millions of words in her journals that she's written down. As she connected with your heart for the people of God, God, we're we're humbled that you gave us an Anna in our own house here. And that she continues to learn how to pray. She never thinks she's arrived. And so your spirit can keep speaking to her. Would you bless Bonnie from the top of her head to the soles of her feet? Every need she has, every prayer she prays, we pray it will come back a harvest that she could never even contain. We see her through your loving eyes, God. And may the gaze of God give Bonnie all you intend. And everybody said, Amen. pastors have a heart that is too big for their body. caught up in praying for Bonnie. I, you know, Bonnie, I have never, um, I have never been told that before. I'm sure that Claire probably has, but uh, I have been told my head's too big for my body, though. So thanks. I guess I'm coming into proportion. I think I got other things getting a little too big for my body as well, but years of investment yeah anyway good morning everybody gosh how amazing to be able to intercede and pray for the requests uh, that was powerful this has already been just so beautiful our time together and the things that weren't written that I know that uh, we were all praying beyond the stuff that was written and I'm just believing God for, as I know you are, for wonderful, powerful, and beautiful things to come to pass through our ongoing intercession around uh, those requests and the other ones that, uh, as I said, that were lifted up that we didn't talk about. Um, I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes. <laughs> That's... 
it's kind of crazy up here. Anyway, <laughs> nothing like getting Bonnie. Stuff starts falling. And anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so we started. La- or we've been in the series, living the living the dream. And uh, last week we talked about living the dream till the end. And uh, we talked about Simeon and Anna and really just kind of touched this, touched a little bit on Anna. So uh, wanted to spend a little bit more time around Anna. And we wanted to hear from Bonnie as well. How about Charles and Bonnie sharing the last couple of weeks? What a gift that is to all of us. You know, um, what is far beyond the words that are spoken or said by any of us is just presence, right? the presence of God in a person's life. And it's just powerful to be with a person as they carry the presence of Jesus, right? Like there's just something that is imparted. And I think that uh, certainly Charles and Bonnie, their lives uh, exude that as well as really all of you. Um, but it's just beautiful to be in their presence. and. Uh, Bonnie really does exemplify Anna uh, in the scripture. It's just, this really is, when, it, when you read, there's only, a few, there's only a few sentences here about Anna. There's a lot that's said in a few sentences. And if you want a descriptive of Bonnie's life, this is it. But I just want to add on to a couple of things we talked about last week um, when we talked about uh, some essentials of living the dream to the end. Um, and you can look that up online and check that out. Um, but I'm going to give you a few more characteristics today um, that we need to pay attention to that I think Anna really speaks to here, her life. Um, in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 36, it says this, there was, a, there was also a prophet. I'll just stop there for a minute. Um, there's, there's few people in the New Testament that are specifically uh, identified as prophets. You know, the scripture talks about the office of the prophet, but there's very few people, just a handful of people in the scripture in the New Testament that are actually uh, spoken of by name. Anna is one of those here. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Now, that's not Bonnie. I, that, that's the one thing that does not connect with her. Anyway, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now, uh, some think that that translation is actually um, that she was a widow for 84 years after theologians argue so she's anywhere from 84 years old to 105 years old Anna is uh, depending on how you see the original language there but anyway she never left the temple but she worshiped night and day everyone say night and day fasting and praying coming up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child meaning Jesus to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, and he was full of wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. 
Now, um, I want to continue to talk about this issue of dreaming, and it's really interesting. I think, um, I think it's beautiful that we have been so immersed in praying um, because I think it's so connected to talking about our dreaming and what I want to talk to you about today. Um, and the first thing that I want to mention here is uh, dreaming, in order for us to be people that uh, are living the dream that we've been invited to live by God and created to live by God, we need to have a hopeful future. That's really what dreaming is. We dream of hopeful future, right? That's, that's what it is. Dreaming demands that we have a hope in the future. Okay, so the, the, the way it's connected to prayer and the thing I want to pay attention to here uh, is and how it's connected to Anna's life, for instance, is the scripture tells us that Anna was married for seven years and then her husband apparently dies and she's a widow. Um, and she had to be heartbroken over that. You don't have to, like... That's not hard to figure out, right? I mean, you can make that assumption. It's not a huge assumption. It's interesting. I was, we were in creative team this week, and uh, I started to talk about the scripture we were going to talk about, and I'm going on and on about how Anna was divorced. And, like, I'm talking about it, and everybody's really like, gosh, Don actually said, I, I never read that in the scripture. And when he said that, I thought, I don't think I did either. I just kind of made that up. Like, I made up that Anna got divorced. And then, so, of course, quickly, what you do as a, as a pastor or whatever is you want to figure out how that's spiritually working. Like, I couldn't have just made a mistake. But I do think it does work spiritually because I think the Scripture doesn't say she was divorced, but what the Scripture does say is disappointment was in Anna's life and is in our lives, and disappointment tries to steal the dreams God gives us. And I want to I wanna offer that to all of us. I want you to think about dreams in your life that have not come to pass, and maybe some dreams that you've either let go of, or you forfeited, or you're less hopeful for. There's a future that God intended for you that because of heartbreak or disappointment, the enemy has convinced you that you should just give that up. Anna's such a beautiful example, isn't she? Her husband dies. She goes to the temple for the next 84 years or less, 70-something, whatever, 70 years, 65, I don't know, for multiple decades. She prays, she fasts, she worships, and she doesn't let go of a dream. And the inferred dream is that one day Jesus will show up. And then it happens. So what about you? Are you afraid to dream? Have you given up some dreams because of disappointment? You know, it's interesting when I've spent some time with people, for instance, that have poverty, 
they live in poverty. There's multiple things that you, you're dealing with if you're living a life that is stuck in poverty. You know, it's not, it's, it's generally not a, we want to think it's a simple solution to get out of poverty, but there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And one of the things I think that goes on for people, for instance, that are in poverty is they have been so disappointed financially that it's hard for them to hope and dream for a different future. And it's hard to get out of things like poverty if you can't dream of a future that's different, if you understand. And I think that can happen with all of us. Could be just, maybe not poverty, could just be financial struggles. Maybe for you it was career disruption, relational difficulties or brokenness, divorce, betrayal. Could be physical challenges and spiritual or faith disappointments family struggles, children that are struggling, plans that you had that didn't come to fruition the way you thought they would work out that didn't work out that way, maybe a death of a loved one. These things, um, these things can take away our dreams. David White says it this way, he says, when your vision is gone, no part of the world can find you. So the place for us to start is to start like Anna did. Even in her difficulty, we can clearly assume that she presses into God and she doesn't allow the dreams that she has, at least the dream that we see come to fruition in the scripture, she doesn't forfeit that. She gets busy. And she does the work she needs to do, apparently, to get those dreams to be revived. I would encourage all of us to think about the dreams that we have and let those things be reignited. Don't let the difficulty of your life and the disappointment of your life that is very real. It's not to discount any of that. That's not what we're talking about. It was very real that Anna's husband died. But she kept dreaming. Dreams require courage, they require faith, they require resilience, they require perseverance. And as you continue to dream the things that God has placed in your heart, don't let disappointment be the thing that robs that from you. Now, with dreaming, uh, we realize you, it, it's, risk is required when it comes to dreaming. If if it's just a dream and we're not going to put it into action in any way, we're not going to engage our dreams, really what that is, that's not a dream, that's a mirage. That's what we call mirages, right? Like you see a picture of something, it's not really real. But when God starts to place dreams in our hearts, that requires some risk. Now let me, let me kind of lower the bar on risk for all of us, that life is risky. None of us get out of here without risking. The fact is, to not risk is a risk. You do understand. There is no such thing as a risk-free life. There is always a possibility when we engage our dreams, maybe we boldly speak out what God is speaking to us or showing us or we feel like God's desiring. There's a risk in that, in speak, even speaking those things out because sometimes 
what we're dreaming of. Not every dream we have is going to come to pass, but there are many dreams that we have that God desires for us to come to pass. Sometimes we're just dreaming. It's kind of like daydreaming, but sometimes, many times, we're connecting with the God dream in our life, right? So what it comes, what it comes down to when we talk about risk is what is your tolerance for risk? Is your tolerance, some of you at work, you know, you, when you got hired, you went through that, you know, or maybe you've done it with an investment company. They sit you down and they say, what's your tolerance for risk? You know, is your tolerance high? Are you like a high wire act? You're like crazy with your money and your investments. You, you've, you're okay with that level of tolerance. Is it moderate? Is it low? There's, there's a level of risk. The question for all of us in pursuing our dreams is what level of risk can you tolerate? And I believe that God gives us a corresponding risk tolerance spiritually for the corresponding dreams that he gives us. If he's given you big dreams, you're going to need bigger tolerance, a bigger capacity for risk. Jesus put it this way. Jesus in Matthew 16, 24 through 26 said it this. He said, he told the disciples, if any of you wish to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? There's two kind of types of risking that we talk about that, that we need to consider. One is, um, are, are we okay to risk on God? And at what level are we okay to risk on God? I think some of us are apprehensive, like when we pray, for instance, we have levels, well, we're all apprehensive in a, in a way, we have levels of tolerance even in how much we'll risk in believing that God can deliver on certain things. So we kind of protect ourselves. Maybe that's been created by the disappointment in our life or the things that haven't occurred, so we, 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 we limit we limit what we ask for. Our tolerance for risk when it comes to God is limited. We don't, we pray almost prayers of remorse. In other words, like, uh, we'll limit, like I've laughed at myself before. Have you ever done this? Probably not, but uh, I, I've done this before because this is really kind of messed up. But anyway, have you ever prayed before and had something amazing happen in correlation to the prayer? Now, you know it's just God doing it, right? But somehow you were an active participant, and then after it happens, you say, why didn't I ask for more? Did you ever do that? It's like, man, I should have asked for more. Like when my parents used to give me Christmas presents, and they'd say, well, we wish we could have given you more. It's like, well, I wish you'd have given me more too. But I, it's like we limit our risking with God because we don't want God to be asked for something that God can't fulfill, right? So we limit it. And even that in itself is crazy, right? God can do all things. Doesn't just do everything we ask, but certainly can. So we limit the way we approach God. So let's pay attention to that. And we also, when it comes to risking, and this is probably a bigger thing for us, is our risking gets limited by what we feel like we can't afford to lose. And that's why Jesus says what he says. He basically says, what do you think you can lose? What's this worth to you? 
what can you put on the line? In the famous quote that probably almost all of you have heard before, Jim Elliott said this, the famous missionary that would be martyred for his faith, he said, after leaving, shortly after leaving Wheaton College in his journal, they found he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. In the Scott Lurridge Amplified version, I would just say if something isn't worth dying for, it probably isn't worth living for. couple questions when it comes to risk. What are you risking in your relationship with God? And a correlated question to that is what's your risk tolerance when it comes to God? I remember when uh, I was finally starting to pay attention to God, 18 years old, and felt like, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to like I'm ready to really make this plunge. Jesus has been trying to get my attention my first 18 years, and still does, right? But I had come to this place, like, I'm ready to give attention. Claire and I were uh, engaged, getting ready to get married. Um, actually, I just had turned 19. And um, anyway... I had decided I was going to tell Claire that I wanted to give my life to Jesus, and I was pretty sure she was going to tell me that I, I was, uh, she would probably celebrate it. That's great, and we're not getting married. That's kind of how I felt it was going to go, right? But I thought, you know what? This is a risk I got to take because as much as I love Claire, this is more important to me. And uh, thank God that uh, Claire interrupted that whole thing with saying, I, she didn't, I, she thought more highly of me, I thought. I just, I thought I was like, I was, and, and I know, I was getting the deal, right? I was getting the deal. So I didn't think I had a lot of margin, like I can't really change anything I'm doing. So be, becoming a Christian might be, too much for her and anyway it was a risk and what are you willing to risk I'm so grateful it worked out the way yeah I'm so grateful that Claire for some reason I, I mean Claire obviously loves me beyond my faith but um, I'm glad that worked out right but have you ever been there? Like, I don't know that I want to put that on the line. That was part of my processing, is do I want to risk this, this amazing relationship I have with this person? Some of you, you just got your tax statements from uh, the church. You just got them mailed to you or emailed or however that gets to you. You looked at it and said, man, I don't know if I want to risk that much for Crossroads Church or for, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's evidences of our risk tolerance. I'm obviously joking around. I mean, when I look at that, I, I get, Claire and I get challenged. Like, I, this, is a, this is an indicator of my risk challenge, our risk challenge. Like, how much is this, how much do I want to be in on this? 
which leads to this last thing, and that is this issue of creativity. See, again, dreaming, uh, it calls for action. And it manifests itself by we take risks, and then it creatively expresses itself in our life, right? So dreaming calls for creativity, and creativity is not passive, it's active. It's really where the rubber meets the road on our responses. Our dreams are meant to be walked out. Now, um, for Anna here, the scripture says she never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Hmm. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So the other day, Claire and I, um, we, we went to see our friend Jane White. Jane is the executive director of uh, Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force. So Claire and I are on the executive board. But Jane is just, she is just like, we absolutely love Jane. She came into our life, I don't know, a dozen years ago or something. And she has cancer. And Jane, um, we went to visit her. She's, she's uh, in a new, she moved from her house to like a senior uh, and an assisted place, beautiful place in the uh, Lansing area. And anyway, Claire and I went to visit her, and she's um, under hospice care. So she's kind of on her own, but it's kind of palliative, if you're familiar with that. So they're just keeping tabs on her. She has decided that she's not going to have any more care, or no more uh, doctor's visits and such around the uh, cancer. But anyway, um, we get there, and we were so grateful to see Jane. And we get there, and Jane immediately wants to start to talk. Now, you know how it is when you're visiting people you love or even people you, you know. You, you don't know what the, how this conversation is going to go. We hadn't seen Jane in a few weeks. Claire's been connecting with her. But um, we get there. We don't know how it's going to go. And Jane wants to talk about survivors of trafficking and how to help as many people as possible. That's what she wants to talk about. Now, Jane hasn't been able to come to a meeting in a couple of years, I think, about a year and a half. But she's dreaming under hospice care about how to help survivors. And that's what we talked about for like the next couple of hours, pretty much. Talked about a couple of other things like chocolates and things that old people talk about, cookies. You know, that's what you do when you're older. And I include myself in that. I, I told Claire, I said, this is what old people talk about. Health and cookies and chocolate. That's how you know if you're old. If that's a conversation at your house, you're old. <laughs> what in the world am I saying today? I, I am really sorry. Please bear with me. But anyway... Jane is still, and will, she's, she's dreaming, and she's being creative, and the rubber's meeting the road, and Jane's like, you're on the board, and she's like giving us instructions. These are the things you guys need to do. And I said, make me. 
No, I didn't do that. Some of us approach life like the philosopher Frank Barone. He said, you do what you do, you get what you get, you got what you got, and then you die. But you were not created to live that way, nor was I. Are you living the life you got, or are you living the life you want? She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Scott, I, I don't know what I'm dreaming about. I guess it's unclear. I don't know what I want. I don't know what that is. Let me help you, because I think Anna helps us here. She never left the temple. She worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. What keeps you up at night? When you wake up in the middle of the night, what do you think of? What wakes you up in the morning? What sets you on fire? What unsettles you? What's troubling you? What are you passionate about? When you wake up, what are you thinking? Claire and I are spending a lot of attention on giving attention to what is going on in the middle of the night when we wake up. God started to clearly show us a couple years ago when you wake up and you can't just roll over and go back to sleep or use the restroom and go back to sleep, pay attention to that. Because it is a fertile space for God to speak. It is fertile for dreaming. God begins to show us what God wants in our lives. Some of us, too, I think that we think that big dreams are only for big people. Like, it's only for, like, the people that, you know, are in front of a screen or something or get up, have the ability to be up and do a talk on it or whatever. Don't ever think that God doesn't have amazing dreams for your life. Never allow the enemy to rob that from you and make you think that your life isn't big enough. My favorite, some of my favorite things in scripture are the no-named people that have miracles happen, right? Don't you love them? Don't you love like the guy on the side of the road, the blind guy on the side of the road, they don't name him? I love the people that don't get named. Like Anna gets named, her husband doesn't. This is really an unusual scripture, you do realize it. Anna gets named and her husband's not named. It's usually the other way around. I don't know if you notice that. I think that's pretty cool. But I really love the people that aren't named and have stuff happen. It's really awesome. Like this guy, and I'll kind of pull it together with this. This guy in Luke 18, this is the guy, the blind beggar on the side of the road, says, and this isn't in the, on the outline, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? And they told him, Jesus, the Nazarene, he's passing by, and he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Do you have any dreams that people wanted you to be quiet? Like, is there anything going on in your life where people, you know you're irritating people with the things you're dreaming about? Like, it's just bugging people. Like, shh. But he shouted all the more. I mean, you got to love this guy. No-name beggar. 
Son of David, have mercy on me. Don't listen to these guys, Jesus. It's not in the scripture, I added that. Anyway, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What are you dreaming about, beggar on the side of the road? Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Now this is, this is awesome. This is in the scripture. This is, I'm not making this up. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. They went in a matter of literally minutes from going, telling him, shushing him, shh, your dreams are irritating. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What dreams do you have? That might be irritating to other people. Don't you forfeit those. You keep pressing in. There's a no-name woman at the well. She gets big answers. There's a no-named woman with an issue of blood. She gets big answers. There's a Roman centurion. He's got family members not well. We don't know what his name was. He got big answers. There's a widow in Maine. We don't know what her name is. She had a dream. She got a big answer. I could go on and on and on. But I want to leave you with these two questions. And I ask you to really pay attention to this. Because I think it's connected to your dream and connected to mine. And it's simply this. What keeps you up at night? What is running around in your mind and you can't get away from it? And the second question is, what do you want to do about that? What do you think you and God could do about that? So Lord, even now, I pray for all of us. Thank you that you've created us to be people that get communicated to by you. You've given us our imagination. You've given us these amazing minds that we have, these bodies that we sense things with, we, we feel promptings with, and you've given us dreams. For some of us, God, we need dreams, the dreams that you've given to be clarified in our lives. So we, we pray that for all of us. Clarify the dreams that you have for our life. Give us a, a passion around those things. And God, I pray that you would give us steps, practical ways that we can move to seeing these things manifest. We pray for it for the church corporately. And we pray for it for each individual, that God, we would live the dream that you're authoring 
like Anna lived the dream that you authored in her life. You let her participate in it. And then one day, there she was in the temple. And there you were. Magnificent, Lord. That is just magnificent. Dreams of healing, dreams of goodness, dreams of relationships healed, dreams of heartbreak healed, dreams of increase, dreams of businesses, dreams of career, dreams for this community, dreams for this region. Let those things come alive, God. And we pray, God, the dreams that were written down today on these papers we would see some remarkable things happen. Big things happen in Jesus' name.